Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. The third secret of Fatima is perhaps the one thing casual fans of Malachi Martin associate the late priest with. He stated that he had read the third secret of Fatima when he was the personal secretary to Cardinal Bea in 1960. That cardinal was one of the most prolific modernists at the Second Vatican Council. Father Malachi Martin served as his translator and personal secretary when he was a young Jesuit priest, prior to his radical interior conversion to what we would call today traditional Catholicism, or something akin to it. That happened more than a decade later when he was researching his infamous book on exorcism. But there is something else that Father Malachi Martin is associated with in the minds of those who are more devoted fans of his. Father Martin wrote and spoke about essentially a plan to force a pope to resign early. This plan was to be implemented against John Paul II, or so Father Martin thought, and its aim was to put a modernist on the papacy. Perhaps the only thing Malachi Martin was really wrong about, aside from a few dates that he predicted when various things would happen, was the particular pope that this move would be made against to secure the papacy for the modernists. Today, thanks to the help of a listener who knows Malachi Martin's interviews better than nearly anyone out there, we're going to talk about the attempt to get John Paul II to resign the papacy as Malachi Martin saw it, and then ask ourselves a basic question. Was this what we saw play out in the case of Benedict XVI? Father Martin first details this plan in his novel Windswept House. That book isn't really about a satanic ritual like a lot of people seem to think that it is. The book is actually about geopolitical pressures placed on the papacy in the 1980s and 1990s. In that novel, there is a plan to get John Paul II to resign the papacy. Spoiler alert, the novel ends without resolving the question of whether he will or will not resign, and it was written that way as a challenge to John Paul II to do something about the modernists in the hierarchy. Now, By the time the book was published, Malachi Martin was, um, we'll say, very, very frustrated with John Paul II and his unwillingness or inability to deal with these modernists. So he took to Windswept House to try to put public pressure in a relatively subtle way to get the Pope to deal with the problem. Now, as we know, John Paul II didn't resign the papacy. But his successor did. And it's with this in mind that we examine the question. Because a lot of people have pointed out there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that Benedict was forced to resign. So I'm going to quote Malachi Martin extensively here. And he's going to say John Paul II, but imagine whenever he says that, that he's actually talking about Benedict XVI. Because he didn't think John Paul II would be followed by a relatively orthodox pope. He figured he'd be followed by something much more like what we have today. The following are all quotes from various interviews Malachi Martin did with Bernard Jansen that I've woven together into one text. You can buy the print version of these interviews in book form from Triumph Communications. And no, they're not paying me to tell you that. You can also buy the CDs of the interviews that they came from as well. Yes, I will admit you can find the stolen uploads of these interviews on YouTube, but they're just that. They're stolen. And if you watch those, you're, be, you're helping someone violate Mr. Jansen's copyright on those interviews. Now, I do have permission from Mr. Jansen to use clips from time to time in a video, but I'm going to just quote the priest here from the print versions instead that were provided by Triumph Communications. So here's Father Malachi Martin from various interviews over the course of a decade on the question of a forced papal resignation. The difficulty is that he, John Paul II, is quite willing to give his life for the church, except that at the present moment there are 148 cardinals. Cardinals elect the pope. 
Of those 148, only 140 vote because, as you know, for a cardinal to be counted, he must be under 80. Of that 140, over two-thirds plus one, the majority needed to elect the pope, are liberal. So if he is snuffed out, we may, we're facing what we may have to finally face, a false pope. And he is sparing us that. I think a later generation will look back at John Paul II and say, we did not know what we had. They, the modernist bishops, regard him as a Polish bishop who has gone astray and ended up as Pope of the Church when he should be at a diocese in Krakow, Poland, hidden away because he's meddling with affairs that he shouldn't meddle with. And he's imposing his conservative views on a church which is trying desperately to join humanity and be part of the human race. So he has these dire enemies who would like to see him passed away and out of office. And failing his passing away by human hand, or failing getting him out of office, they want to get him to retire. After all, he's 70. Five more years. He, by the way, according to canon law, can retire, resign, and he doesn't need to give a reason to anybody. It's in canon law. And they would like him to declare at 75 that, he ha that he's retiring because of old age, because of bad health, and because he has outlived his usefulness and he can't help the church in other ways. And they'll put in their own man. The pressure on John Paul II is going to be very heavy because, as you know, he is approaching his 75th year. John Paul II is a bishop. He's Bishop of Rome. And the pressure on him now is to resign because he's, quote, tired and because the world has changed. And he's done great work. Holy Father, but now yield the way to a younger man. And they hope to get him to resign because at the present moment, if you look at those who would elect a pope in the next conclave, most of them would elect a liberal pope. Who would not want to be pope? Who would consent to obsolescence and be chairman of the board? A position to which Paul VI came very near, by the way. Just being chairman of the board and having the bishops do what they like while he did nothing but wring his hands. That is the danger. And by the way, a fearsome thing for Catholics that according to some revelation made to private people, but in general authenticated by the church, one of the horrors coming at us is a situation where we have no pope. John Paul II is an enigma, and people feel abandoned by him because he elects bishops that are unworthy of being bishops. We know they are. And we can give their names over public radio because everyone knows who they are. He has cardinals who are not really with him, who are in opposition to him, who want him to resign want to get rid of him and have another pope to their liking. He is not liked by secular governments because he preaches a hard doctrine about limiting the number of people there are in the world, about uh, artificial barriers to babies and to the Moloch ritual, and research on the flesh of the most vulnerable as well. He, John Paul II, still maintains the facade. He still welcomes the bishops for their ad limina visit. He still treats them as if they were doing their duty, knowing they are not doing their duty. Knowing that some of them are plotting against him. And knowing that some of them want him to resign before his time and get out so they can elect a man after their own heart who will be an anti-pope. Those were Father Malachi Martin's views on the forced abdication of a Roman pontiff of a plan that had been in the works since the 70s, given based on some of his other writings, with the aim of replacing him by a secularist, heretic, anti-pope. But it gets better. See, in his nonfiction book, The Keys of This Blood, Father Martin describes the purpose of this, and it sounds eerily familiar to us today. Here he is in his own words. 
quote. Between those two pontiffs, Paul VI and John Paul II, on the one hand and the next pope, elected after John Paul II passes away, there will be this difference. That new pope's deficiency in his high office will be the result of a conviction that the original papal and petron office, as practiced by the Roman popes up to the last third of the 20th century, was really nothing more than a time-conditioned result of cultural modes extending way back hundreds of years. And that now is the time to downgrade its importance, in order to free the, quote, spirit of Vatican II, to mold the church in an image that will suit the progressive mind of a new and far different age. Roman Catholics will then have the spectacle of a pope validly elected who cuts the entire visible body of the church loose from the traditional unity and the papacy-oriented apostolic structure that the church has hitherto always believed and taught was divinely established. The shudder that will shake the Roman Catholic body in that day will be the shudder of its passing away agony, for its pains will be from within itself, orchestrated by its own leaders and its members. No outside enemy will have brought this about. Many will accept the new regime. Many will resist. All will be fragmented. There will be no one on earth to hold the fractionating members of the visible Roman Catholic body together as a living, compact organization. Men will then be able to ask for the first time in the history of the church, where is the visible body of the church Christ founded? But there will be none visible. The church Christ founded will be in the same condition as on the day that the apostle Philip encountered the Ethiopian official on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, and finding that this man had received the grace to believe in Jesus, baptize him at the wayside well. After that, Philip disappeared, and the official continued on his way. But now he was a living member of the Church of Christ, a participant in the mystical body of Christ, as surely as any Christian of a thousand years later who was baptized in one of Europe's cathedral baptistries and had his name registered as an official member of the physical church structure to be found everywhere around the cathedral. But for that Ethiopian official, there was no visible church structure. Actually, by that simple ceremony of entering the wayside stream with the Apostle Philip and accepting baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that official had joined an underground, the nascent Christian underground against which the already first movements had been launched by the resident elder brother authorities, headed by a fiery zealot named Saul of Tarsus, who in the words of the same chapter of the Acts of the Apostles that tells us of the Ethiopian baptism, wreaked havoc on the church, entering into every house and dragging men and women out and throwing them in, into custody. For however or what, wherever the church founded by Christ survives and lives on, it is sure that it will live on. The whole brute strength of perdition will not prevail against it. And the successor of Peter, whoever he is during those dire days, will finally be converted and will, as Jesus foretold after his resurrection, restore and bring back to spiritual strength the faith of his bishops and people in the Church of Christ. End quote. It's worth noting that he does believe this heretic antipope would be otherwise validly elected, probably meaning in a procedural sense since someone who is a heretic to such a degree that they rise to the level of being an uncontested antipope can't actually be pope probably in the first place. But he also says that that figure will be converted at the end. Now, does this mean the figure will lose their faith? I'm not sure about that, but I'm curious what you think about all of this. 
let me know what you think in the comments if you think this is much more accurate a prediction about Benedict than John Paul II, or maybe if this is really more about, you know, yes, Benedict in the resignation sense, but that wicked pope that he's coming maybe is the next one. Let me think if that's what you think he's talking about, or whatever your opinion on this in general is. Just let me know about it in the comments, and remember to check out Triumph Communications' website for a legal copy of those interviews. I'll try to put a link maybe in the pinned comment or failing that in my sources blog at returntotradition.org so you can get yourself a copy of these as you wish. And remember to like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.